If this is true, then our country is in a lot of trouble. We would have these trips, these special trips. But he said, my, my daddy takes the bodies to the grocery store and he grinds them up and puts it in the hamburger. And nobody ever knows it. How can kids, six, eight, ten years old, be describing rituals that come from a book like the, like the Book of the Dead? It's hard to get your mind around people being capable of this kind of evil. stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up, rise up, rise up. Good evening, everybody, and welcome once again to the Midnight Ride. It is our great honor that you are choosing to spend this time with us. And tonight, we have a very important prophetic message before it's too late. And you can have all the knowledge in the world, and you can do all the prepping in the world. But if you don't get this right, it will avail you nothing. So get ready. The morning starts right now because we are now live, live, live. What's up, everybody? I've got my cup of coffee right here, and I just want to welcome everybody from all over the place, uh, wherever you're listening from. Shout us out in the chat, or if you're listening to this after the fact in the comments, let us know where you're from. I was going through, David, I was going through the list of our demographics, and man, oh, man, um, in over 100 countries, yeah, uh, over a hundred countries we're yeah. we're in. People are listening. Uh, we get emails all the time from people in, in various parts of the world that I didn't even know are able to understand what we're saying. 
yeah. uh, all over the place. And so we're thankful for every single one of you that's chosen your time to listen to this. And like David said before, this is going to be a message that we have to hear and that we need to understand before it's too late. And this is this is a heavy message. Um, but David, how are you, man? Well, I'm just great. I'm just so blessed and the Lord is so good. I'm so excited to be able to serve the Lord at a time like this. And it's such a blessing to hear, you know, we've got people from Dublin, Ireland, from Jerusalem, South America, Asia, all over. It's such an honor to be able to speak into their lives the Word of God. And the Word of God is true no matter where you're at. And this globalist oppression that we're seeing, it's not only going on here, it's going on everywhere. So it's a very, very timely message for everyone, wherever you are, because we're all a part of God's big family. You know, there there's several different kinds of people that are going to be listening tonight. And I want to make sure that, um, we, that you understand that this message that I'm giving tonight is a two-part message. The pers- first part is um, a message. I had a dream about 15 years ago, and I'll tell a little bit more about that. But as I was digging into the Word, uh, the interpretation of this dream became clear to me. It was something that I remembered over, you know, constantly in my head for 15 years. And uh, pretty interesting stuff that I think is relevant to anybody that's listening to this. God, you know, put us on this platform to speak. And so if you are one of the thousands of people that hears this message, this message is meant for you to hear. And and I'm thankful to do it, uh, David. So whenever Amen. you're ready. Well, take us on the ride. All right. So well, I want to start out by um, talking about this dream that I had first off, because um you know, when I first became a believer, I had dreams that I wrote down. They were they were so sh- life shaking to me that I had to write them down. Uh, here I am, 15 years later, haven't had a dream like any of these in in over you know five six years probably. Haven't had a dream anywhere close to what we're talking about tonight. And you know, I th- this dream shook me and it changed my reality, changed how I moved in life. Uh, but I didn't realize the significance that it had really for just for anybody that's going to hear what I have to say tonight. So in this dream, I'm laying in my bed and I hear these explosions and I'm just going to give a truncated version of this of this dream. I hear these explosions um, and I look out the window and there's uh, planes falling out of the sky. The sky looks like it's rolling up like a scroll. There's fire in the sky, like pillars of fire. And all I could do think about was my Bible and it was right next to my table there, which is not something that it was would have normally ever been near my table. So that's it was strange to me that there was a Bible on the table right next to the window there, because normally at during that time in my life, that's not what would have been there. And so I go to grab this Bible and I get this pain in my gut, just an instant pain that it felt like somebody stabbed me in the stomach and I fell to the ground onto my knees and I heard a voice. It said it's too late. Okay, so when I heard this message and I heard this, obviously, the next day I woke up, this is something that's on my mind. I need to get into the word. I need to figure out what the scriptures are going to say before it is too late. And um, as I was reading last night, David, in the scriptures, uh, or not last night, a couple few nights ago, um, and I had, you know, another idea planned for the show. But as I was reading in Isaiah, um, instantly, as soon as I read this scripture, this dream popped in my head. And I knew that I had to pass this message along before this. It's too late for me to pass this message along. And I don't know when that's going to be, but I know that in the audience listening tonight, uh, there's going to be thousands of people. At least one of you is going to die by this time next year, before this time next year, at least one of you. And that happens every, you know, all the time. There's people that die left and right. Uh, there's going to be 
things that happen here in the future that are going to happen so quickly and so fast that none of us are going to be able to have time to react to these things in a way unless we are sealed with the mark of God, which is is important to have. And so, David, that's kind of what this show is going to be about. I, and I want it to be a confirmation to people because there's undoubtedly somebody listening tonight that's thinking, you know, I wonder if God really loves me. And I'm going to say that if you're listening to this tonight, God has put you in this position right now to listen to this show. You're, you're wondering that right now. And we're going to talk about that as well. We're going to talk about the graces that God has for those who urgently seek him and chase after his ways. So that's what's going to be about. You have anything to add? you want to add? No, I mean, that's, uh, there's not a more, more important message that a person could hear right now. Nothing more important. Well, we're going to start after I take a sip of the coffee here. I got to get hyped up, David. By the time we get to the, the Q&A, I am uh, in a place of tiredness. So I'm going to keep <laughs> sipping the coffee here. I don't have an IV or I would put it in maybe. But uh, we're going to start in Isaiah verse 50, or chapter 55, verses 6 through 7. And I've got a couple things highlighted here, but I want to talk about these two verses here. It says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And I highlighted those two two phrases there because this implies that there's a time when he's not going to be able to be found. And this is a time that he implies that he is not going to be near. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And then in verse 7 there, this is really important to somebody listening tonight because I can guarantee you this, that this is the place I was in, the wicked and the unrighteous. It says, let the wicked forsake his ways and let the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. And, you know, I was in a place in my life where I was wicked. You know, I was uh, I, I was unrighteous. And there was a time in my life that I thought that maybe I shouldn't turn to God after I've all done all this stuff. Why would God want anything to do with me? And here in the scripture, it tells you the heart of God. It says, let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man, his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. And that's something that is an amazing feeling. I know I, at least in my life, David, I'm sure in yours as well, but when you got that abundant pardon, that took place at the moment that you received the gift from God that was there, that abundant pardon, it feels like a weight is lifted off of your shoulder. It feels like the burden's gone, just disappeared. And all of the things that you did in the past that carried so much shame and guilt, um, they instantly, and I wouldn't say they disappear because they don't disappear, but you, you feel forgiven. And that's something that yeah. is amazing feeling that people need you know people need forgiveness we've all messed up and we've all fallen short and we have to cling on to that forgiveness and move forward from this point of our life god's not uh he's looking at the things of the past and he's saying that he will abundantly pardon the people that move forward with that and um but the keys of this 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 scripture here we're, we're going to talk about while he may be found and while he is near in revelation eighteen twenty three, it says and the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And I highlighted a couple of phrases here, but the voice of the bridegroom and the bride, this is representative of the people of God and, and of, of God himself. These are, this is the representation here of the bride 
uh, bridegroom and the bride. No more will it be heard. People aren't going to be hearing get the message that we're given tonight. They're, you're not going to be hearing turn to the turn to the Lord. You're not going to be hearing salvation is here. You're not going to be hearing any of that. It's going to be gone. It's going to be disappeared. There's not going to be any more. It's going to be too late. And um, as we move on in Amos chapter 8, verses 11 through 12, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to the east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. And right now, most people know what we're facing. They know, they see the censorship. They see the evil that is piling up around them. And they see that at this point in time, it looks like the enemy has us surrounded. It looks like it's checkmate. Um, And I don't think I'm the only one that sees this. I think that we see that there's a force coming. In fact, I, I think that next week, for those of you that are Uh, interested in Bible prophecy and the seals breaking, you need to listen to what David's going to say next week because I believe David's compiled some stuff that nobody uh, has seen yet maybe. And it's maybe it got, I believe God led him on the path to to see what he's going to talk about next week. But I really hope you guys join us again for that next week. But we're seeing some things right now and and everybody is, you know, any walk of life that deals with the financial substance of things that deals with the health substance of things that deals with all the crises we're facing worldwide war. Um, everybody sees that something is off. Something's different than what it was. Uh, David, did you have a comment? Well, because of the basically false message and false gospel that's preached in America and in much of the world, people think they can come to the Lord anytime they want to. And when the Holy Spirit is convicting you to come to Christ for salvation or to get some sin out of your life or to walk in obedience and you resist that, it's a very, very serious thing. It's a sin against the Holy Ghost to resist the Spirit striving with you. And in the book of Proverbs, there's another very solemn scripture. Because I have called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye have said it not my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity and I will mock when your fear cometh. Mm. Very serious thing. Very serious. And these next scriptures here, these have often been used for the rapture and they've been used for a lot of different things. But Uh, When these verses coincide with what we're talking about here, when this day comes, it will be too late. There won't be any more time to look at this or to find this, figure out where am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? There's not going to be any of that. We're going to read this here in in the scriptures. And in Matthew chapter 24, verse 44, it says, Therefore, be you also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Watch, therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now, that first scripture there tells me that nobody knows when he's coming. It tells me that, you know, right now, everybody thinks he's coming right this moment. He might be, but he also might not be. There's going to be a time when you're not expecting, where people are not expecting, most people are not expecting, but he's going to come and he's going to make himself known. Uh, Will this be a time of prosperity that happens for a short period of time, or what, what will it be? But I can tell you this in the, in that dream that I had, this is what it reminded me of. It was, there was no time. I mean, the, the, it's not about me dying at that moment. There was just no time for me to read the Bible. It was done. 
I couldn't pick it up anymore. I couldn't read it. I couldn't stretch out and see what the father had put in these ancient books that he called his word to tell me. I couldn't even see it. And it was too late. You know, if you don't if you don't have that desire to look into the word of God before it's too late, you are going to miss the boat. You won't understand. He wrote this for us. He put this in here, 66 books compiled with the work of the Holy Spirit to make sense together over, you know, thousands of years. This is an amazing thing that we have on our hands and and this that dream the I you know, the one thing I could remember is don't forget that the Bible was in there. Why was that in there? Why was that in there? Because that's what's going to be taken away. The famine for the word is going to be that. And then there's going to be a point to where it's like that. And it happens. This is going to happen quickly. When the father comes, when Yeshua comes, he's coming like this. He's coming in a blink of an eye and a time that most people will not expect uh, when he's coming. And like David said, people are going to die too. You're going to, some people are going to die. Some people are going to die in the next week. Maybe not people listen to the show, but maybe you don't know. We know, you know, I know young children that have died. I've known young adults that have died. I've known old people. A lot of people, people die. That's what we do here on earth. You know, this is part of the, the curse that we live by is, is death. And, and we never know when that day is going to come. Not all of us have the luxury of hanging besides Jesus on the cross and him, you know, giving us that opportunity. We don't all have that opportunity. Some people die like this in an instant and it's over. Um, but I just, before I move on to this next part of this, I want to uh, read these scriptures to you because I know that there are people tonight that really just want God. They were this, this is your confirmation that God cares about you. This is your confirmation that He's telling you how to reach Him. And this, these, we're going to read these scriptures and then we'll move on. David, I, I want you to comment after that, and then we'll move on to the next part of this. And uh, stay tuned for the next part because some of you are going to be so blessed by this, like I was, that it's just going to uh, give you great joy to hear it. So stay tuned. John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Luke 9.23, And he said to them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. In John 14.6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by me these are foundational scriptures that we have to understand and he will give us the holy spirit to guide us into all truth therefore after accepting that he is who he says he is and that he is the master he is the gate he is the key to everything that we've been looking for in our life david did you want anything to say before i move on to this next part well i read something this week by another one of my favorite puritans george swinock and he said something that just so touched my heart as i read it he said that the gospel is the throne upon which grace sits hmm. and it's the grace of god and god's love that looks down to each and every one of us no matter how bad we have stepped in it that grace of god on the throne of the gospel can touch you where you're at and you don't have to change yourself you just have to be willing to repent and change and the Lord will enable you by his Holy Spirit to do that very thing. But I thought that was just so awesome. The the gospel is the throne on which grace sits. That just so touched me. So so true too, man. What a great way to put it. I mean, you can't you can't get a better like allegory, I guess, than that. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And um, you know, I would I would say this, you know, for those of you that are like I was at the before all of this stuff broke out for me before I had my experience. You know, I knew, I knew about God and I knew about God. I heard about him, 
um, all the time, you know, and, and growing up, my dad was a pastor and my dad was a teacher. My dad was a, you know, a student as well. Like, you know, somebody that was constantly learning these things, uh, put me in a Christian school my whole life, all of these things. So I heard everything, but there was, there was something physically keeping me from wanting to follow after God. And that one thing was I wanted to have fun. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I thought, you know, this is my chance to do this. You know, Hollywood had put in a grip on my heart. Uh, everything out there in the world had taken a piece of me. And that's why that one scripture says to, to not deny yourself. You do, I, you know, there's no way, David, I ever thought that I'd be sitting here on every Saturday night, um, sitting and talking with you and me about books, about these ancient things <laughs> every Saturday night. There's no way that I would have ever thought that something that I would want to do, nor would I have ever thought that that would be something that I did. But yet here I am. We couldn't have planned it. We couldn't have planned it. And and I love it. You know, God has stuff for you that you will love that you don't even know you love yeah. yet. That's the amazing yeah. thing about God. Yeah. The scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. And he knows the desires of your heart better than you do. You think this will make you happy and fulfilled, but he knows what really will. That's so true. And so this next part is going to be such a blessing to some of you. I mean, I really feel like this is something that I, I was so thankful to be able to, to present about because, you know, it's often doom and gloom we see. And we're usually trying to warn the world, warn the world to step out of Babylon, step away, step out of this, you know, judgment's coming. Uh, but there's a side to the scriptures that were where God loves his people. He loves his people with a passion and he and he wants to do everything he can to put them on the right path. And, and we're going to read about that because there's some of you listening, undoubtedly, that are on that path. And I'm so thankful. Like I said, there's people all over the world. There's people listening to our channel, FOJC, uh, DOC, Cutting Edge. And these people, there's people that really desire God. And that's something that I've never really encountered in the church like I have with the people that we've connected through what we do here. And it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 I'm seeing a real hunger among the remnant that really can discern the times they know of uh, what time we're in prophetically. There's a serious seriousness to their life and there's a real hunger. And it's such a great part, uh, such a good thing to be a part of and in fellowship with people like that. There's nothing like it. So true. And so we're going to talk about the hope to the saints and what, what it means to walk this out, what it means to go down this path and what, what kind of blessings we can expect from our father and what kind of things we can expect for him to give to us that he loves. In Isaiah 54, verse 9 through 10, it says, For this is as the waters of Noah unto me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that have mercy on thee. And this is a scripture that is, all of these in Isaiah, when you read Isaiah starting, I think in 54, it might be 53, but you're seeing God physically say these things, and you're seeing this um, promise given to the people that seek him, right? The people that seek after his face, the people that seek his word and seek who he is. And we're going to get to what they're, what we're seeking here in a minute, because this is really the the important part. David, I saw you open your Bible. You no, I'm just following it? along. Okay. I'd go right ahead. Okay, we're going to go to Isaiah 54, 13 through 17. It says, And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord. 
and great shall be the peace of thy children. And this, that was one of the verses I love to read because, man, you know, we can give our children peace in this time. They don't have to know all the cares of the world. We don't even have to know them. You know, we, we, we have to know who's the one in charge of them all. And in verse 14, it says, In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, thee shall surely gather together. They shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that rise up against in judgment against thee sh thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Now, when I hear this verse and speak this verse, the Bible tells us to speak, right? Speak life, speak things. This is, this is a verse that I think of, and this is a verse that there will be people that God protects. There always has been. Even when you look at in the scripture at Job, Job was a man that had a hedge and was protected by God for a specific time, you know, he was protected. And, and the Bible talks, you're going to talk a little bit more about it next week, but about a seal that's put on his believers. And when we are truly, this is, this is who this heritage belongs to. Listen again in verse 17. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. And when I hear that, and I think there's people listening here tonight that this is your heritage. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is the heritage of the people that truly seek after him. And this next verse, it, it's pretty amazing because Hosea 2 and Isaiah uh, 54 and 55, they all kind of go together because it's talking about the husbandman. It's talking about the the bride, right? It's talking about this back and forth. Now, this, this verse right here is, is something pretty cool, and I found something about this that I thought was pretty interesting. In Hosea chapter 2, verse 16 and it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi, and shalt call me no more Bali. Now, this is really cool because there's a book, David, that you suggested for me to get uh, not too long ago. And I looked in here because, you know, you, you can look a lot of different places, but there wasn't a whole lot about this word. What does this word mean? But th it's a very clear understanding of this word, and it's really cool. It says, uh, Ishi etymology, it says, the name comes from the verb yasha, meaning to save or deliver. The verb yasha means to be unrestricted and thus to be free and thus to be saved from restriction, from oppression, and thus from ultimate demise. Mm -hmm. A doer of the verb is a savior, noun, yeshua, and teshua, it means salvation. Adjective shoa means financially independent, freed in an economic <laughs> sense. Now, when I, It's pretty good. It's pretty it? good. And when I read that, I was like, you know what? Hallelujah, because it says we're no longer going to call him. Lord, Master, whatever. We're going to call him Savior. He's our Savior. He is our husband. He's the one that saved us from this whole pit that the world's dug us into. He is our Savior. He's our Yeshua. This is, this is, when I read that, man, like it gave me chills to read that. And I don't know why I've always skipped over that verse because I just, you know, maybe just never understood totally what it meant. But the, the chills that went over me to know that this is, the Bible talks about in Isaiah. He taught, they talk about, our King Yeshua coming, Jesus coming, and they talk about Him being our salvation. And and there's a lot of translations that translate that word as man, or they translate that word as uh, husband. Uh, but looking in this thing here, this is a really cool um, <laughs> definition for that. That is real good. That is yeah. great. So we're going to move on to Hosea 2.23. And I know we're doing a lot of scriptures tonight, but guys, I really want 
um, to give a full focus understanding to what this means, because the more we speak the scriptures, the more that our life envelops these things. I know that uh, this concept's interesting, but anyway, go to Hosea 2.23. It says, and I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not attained mercy. And I will say to them, which were not my people, thou art my people, and they shall say, thou art my God. And this is talking about the covenant. In Isaiah 54, 55, 56, it talks about the same exact things. I'm going to go to Isaiah 56, 1 and 2. Thus saith the Lord, keep ye judgments and do justice, for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and keepeth his hands from doing any evil. And this is this is the blessing, right? This is from people that will keep his Sabbath, the people that keep their hands from doing evil, the people that aren't inclined towards evil always. And we all know people like that, that you just can't trust. You, you know, they'll steal something from you. They're going to lie to you. They're going to... You know, they might mess around with your wife, but try to mess around with your wife behind your back or your husband or, you know, there's these people that just can't stop doing evil and these people that can't stop polluting the Sabbaths. Now, this is a problem because the mainstream church teaches nothing about the Sabbath. In fact, the Catholic Church changed the Sabbath to Sunday, right? They changed the whole day and everything and people don't even honor it anymore. Out of the Ten Commandments, the only one that says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And, and in the scripture, the Sabbath itself is talked and connected with uh, a mark of God, a seal of God that yeah, is yeah. on his people forever. So uh, if you want to talk any more about that, David, that would be an interesting. Well, I could go on and on. To, uh, we did a teaching on the DOC called the Jesus Jubilee. And in Levit Leviticus 25, it talks about the commanded blessing that only works if you're obeying the Sabbath. Yeah. When the children of Israel were in the desert, if they didn't obey the Sabbath, their manna would turn to worms. And there's a lot of people, their blessings are going to turn to worms because they're just not obedient. And, and I, I love that scripture in Isaiah 54. It says, in righteousness, you will be established. Yes. And then it says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And the interesting thing, too, about righteousness, what does the scripture say? Like all scripture is given for training in righteousness. If we don't take that message of it's too late, and we don't train ourselves in righteousness, what does that mean for us? Yeah. You know, what does that mean? Yeah. So anyways, we're going to go into this next verse here. And like I said, you guys, I'm speaking a lot of verses tonight, and I think that that's what really was meant for me to do because I, I really feel like hearing these words, these words that are just, and I know that people are like, oh, it's not magic to hear these words, but the Bible does tell us to speak these words and and speak the words of truth. And so doing this is is. And I believe it, it changes things. Be able to be to speak the words of God. You know, any time that I've ever seen a healing take place, like there was uh, this lady that was had cancer. She had stage four cancer, and all I could think of to do is just read every scripture about healing to her. Every scripture that I could find about healing, just read them over and over to her, and just keep reading them to her. And you know, I think that that did something, man. She she yeah. was healed completely. Uh, they went to the doctor. They found no cancer at all in her. I mean, just amazing things. But because you can't speak the word of God enough, and and you know, it's going to change the way you feel, the way you think. And we're, let me go on because we'll talk more about that here in a second, David. Oh, I'm you're right ahead. Okay, it says, "I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread?" Now, people will tell me, you know, all the time that this oh, the righteous people are doing this all the time. But this is David speaking in Psalm 37 here that he's young and old and he's never seen this happen. And I truly believe 
that if you are doing what God called you to do, that this will be the case. I really do believe that. I believe the promises of God in the scripture 100%. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the people, you know, a lot of the missions, a lot of the different things, they they will teach people about Jesus. And I believe these people truly do, you know, are trying to trust God. But when it comes to actually obeying him and doing those things, that's not what's taught. In fact, you have some missionaries and in, in uh, like, you know, a friend told me that in the Catholic Church in Haiti, they actually carry around shrunken heads, the priests do and sell the shrunken heads. So there's no like real training in righteousness that has anything going on in a lot of these countries. I mean, it's just, it's not the case. And here's another one here. Psalm 37, seven through 11. It says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Now this is important for this time. There's a lot of wicked devices being passed right now. There's a lot of wicked devices coming forth. It says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. That means don't don't go out there and do evil just because you're worried about this or that. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Now, how many times in the Bible does it say that the wicked are going to be cut off, the righteous are going to inherit the earth? It says it over and over and over and over and over again. Yet we've been told we're going to be taken out of here. The evil are going to be taken out of here. The evil are going to be taken out, and they're going to be they're going to be thrown away. They're going to be disappear. Um, I posted on my Facebook, I want to speak life and death. The rich, righteous will inherit the earth. The wicked will disappear. And this is what it says here. They will, they will disappear. And so we'll go on here. In Psalm 37, 17 through 20, it says, For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke, shall they consume away. And so when we see these evil devices being passed all over the place, and we know, we know this because we see it. There's people that don't see it. There's people that are blinded, 100% blinded to all of this, and we need to continue to pray for those people. But some people have no idea what's happening. They have no clue what is taking place in the spiritual world. Uh, they don't even know what's taking place in the physical world because they're glued to their TV or they're glued to their favorite commentator. They're glued to this. They're glued to that. They have no idea what's going on. They work a nine to five. They come home. They sit in front of the TV, watch football, and that's the end of their day. That's it. They they will be the ones that stand up and they see their Bible and they say it's too late. They're going to be those ones that do that. That's going to be it. But the people that know what's happening, the people that are upholding righteousness, the people that are doing the things they will inherit the earth. The wicked are going to perish from it. This is something that should make us all feel good because we see devices being formed against us in the hills right now. We see the devices being formed. We see the things that are coming to even try to take our humanity away from us at this moment being formed. But in that scripture we read in Isaiah, he said, I, they, didn't, they didn't form by me. He's like, if they come against you, I'll make them fall on your account for you. Yeah. I'll make them fall. And that's what we need to hold to. We Our fear cannot be in these men. And the Bible will talk a little bit more about fear. But this is, uh, David, do you have anything to say before no, we move on to the part? Okay. I feel like I'm moving through this fast, but I want to make sure that I get this across and, and that people really truly just get something out of this. Because I know uh, that this message is something that can really just change your life. I mean, it can just change your way of thought, your life, and it can really put you on a path that's towards a way of just being pleasing to God and do the, doing the right things. And I'm so thankful 
uh, to be able to, to give this message. I mean, you know, it could have been too late by the time I got to get, give this message. And we always talk about all kinds of things. And I love the subjects we talk about, but seldom do I feel God calling me to give a message like this. So we're going to talk about building the kingdom. Which kingdom are you building? Will you be, will your harvest be plentiful? And this is something we should all be thinking about. Uh, and we'll, I'll show you why here in the scriptures as we move forward. But we're all building a kingdom, whether we want to believe that we're building a kingdom or not. There's no doubt about this. You are building a kingdom and you are uh, building either the worldly kingdom of Satan or you're building the kingdom of God within yourself and within the world that you live in. There's no there's no uh, fence, right? The fence is uh, neutral ground that doesn't have any place. The Bible says he will spew you out if you're lukewarm. He says you'll rather be hot or cold. And this picture here, I've got a representation of an older lady looking at... Uh, you know, looking into death and a younger woman looking into life. And we have a couple symbols here that Cadacious and the money symbol. And we have these things about that. What blocks people's connections, these things that block our relationship with the spirit, because these things are created by the flesh. These things that you see here are fleshly connections, fleshly uh, desires and things that will really take us off of our path. If you have a connection to the things of this world, it will completely take the faith that you need to have in other things away from you. Uh, whether that be money, whether that be the medical system, whether that be the government, whether that be uh, whoever it may be, if, if the faith is in that rather than in the creator, it will knock your connection off and you will not understand what's going on. You will be continued to be blinded. And we have to re really try to break that stuff off away from our life. And Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 through 26 it says no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon therefore i say unto you take no thought for your life what you shall eat what you shall drink nor yet for your body what you shall put on it's not the life more than the meat and the body than raiment Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, and ye not much better than they. And this talks about, you know, worrying so much about money, that you're that you're doing everything that you can do to raise this money, because you're worried about whether you're going to eat, you're worried about all of these different things. Instead of giving your complete desire to serving the king, you've worried about these things. There's a scripture, David, and you can probably tell me the resource, but it says, um, all of these things shall be added unto you. Seek you first the kingdom of God first, and then these things will be added to you. I believe this is in it's the same. It's just on down, same, verse 33 in Matthew 6. And this is the things mm -hmm. that shall be added unto you. Seek you first the kingdom of God. Then these things will be added unto you. And I can testify that that's the truth. The Father provides man for his people. Like he he provided uh, what ravens gave food to Elijah in the in the wilderness, right? They brought bread to the man. Right. He can provide for our, us people, but we need to worry about doing what he wants us to do first. And then that stuff will come along. But most of the time we go and we this is what life teaches us. You worry about your job. You worry about where you go. You worry about how much money you make. You start a family, do this. But the scripture tells us, seek you first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God. And this is what we're talking about here. The kingdom of God. How can you seek it? How can you find it? Right. Uh, this is an interesting thing. David, I see you're looking here. Did you want to? Well, you know, there's, um, and that scripture is right there in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And, you know, there's a real, there's that a, mic with you, David, that there's a phony prosperity message 
by these phony prosperity preachers. But there's a true prosperity message, just like the one scripture you read, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. And the meaning in that one word, financially independent. Yes. You know, isn't that something? And yes. there is a real commanded blessing for those that will walk in obedience and uh, just walk in humble obedience to the master. We don't have to worry. If we're walking in all the light that we have and are doing the best we know to do out of a pure heart, he will take care of his people and woe unto them that come against them. Amen to that. Because, you know, you, the prosperity preachers are always wanting to preach about the blessings, but they never want to talk about the thing that it says, if you do these things, then then you'll be blessed. They don't want to yeah. talk about that part because none of their congregation is doing those things. I've yeah. seen, you know. and, and it ain't about people sending their money to us to get money from God. It's about being obedient to God and him blessing you. you exactly. See? And uh, they make themselves the conduit. And it's that's just an absolute lie. That's, that's so true. Now we're going to go on to to talk a little bit more about this uh, because this is this is a big problem for America. America has seen the spoil of the land. We've seen the fatness of the land, right? We've we've have had they, what they called they used to call the American dream, where you could come here and you can do anything you want. You can make as much money as you want. You can live like a king, a literal king. I mean, kings would be man impressed with some of the places they have now. The air conditioning that they have now. The these sweet master bedrooms, these places with these pools and everything, they would be amazed at what they see. Um, and we have that, right? We've, we've been accustomed to this money, to these things that, that uh, have taken the place of our trust in God in a lot of ways. And, I, and as I've said before, there's nothing wrong with having money. It's what you do with it because you're always tithing. Whether you're tithing to the evil one or you're tithing to God, you're tithing to something. Well, everything you spend your money on is a tithe one way or another. Um, whether it, it just is you, everything you spend is something you promote. You spend money here, you're promoting it, you're making it better. You're, you're feeding it, right? We fed so much money over the years in the world to Babylon to completely destroy us. We fed, we gave them the money to do it. We said, here, take our money, destroy us. And that's what happened. Uh, it's, it's a shame. But uh, this next scripture here in first Timothy eight or six, 10 through 12, it says for the love of money is the root of all evil. And this the love of money it says evil or which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows and, and America is coveted for the money and a lot of countries have it says but thou o man of God flee these things and follow after righteousness godliness faith love patience and meekness fight the good fight of faith lay hold of eternal life whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses now this is the scriptural um, thing that it tells us to do and yet we hear the opposite in the world we have to remember that the love of money is the root of all evil it will keep you from doing the will of God every day all day long it'll lead you into places that you will wish you that you never went it'll keep you from honoring the Sabbath because you know what business can operate right without opening on the Sabbath what business can operate how can you how can you do this right this is these are all these things that will pressure your mind and if you have love more for the money aspect of it than you do the actual what the word says it will take a toll on your life uh mark my words it will and we have to you know it, it's hard it's hard to take a hit for those things i know that me and my wife used to do wedding videography every saturday you know and sat not every saturday but in set in, in saturdays and when we realized that the Sabbath was Saturday, we had to quit doing those things because it's like we're working on the Sabbath. This is what we're doing. 
and we we uh, took the leap of faith and quit doing it you know and and my wife took the leap of faith and changed her schedule around to work a different night and, and god just ultimately blessed that not only for our financial status but for our family you know it was a, to have a night that we all knew we were all going to be there because this is it this is the night that we have this is the night that we're going to come together as a family the day that we're going to come together as a family and sit around together they don't have to worry about daddy going off to work or why are we doing that they, they can all sit there and hang out together and this is a this is a blessing uh like nobody's business and the scripture talks about you know being easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get to heaven uh, there's the parable or the the story where the man comes up and he says, you know, what do I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? He says, sell all that you have and follow me. When we can't think, picture ourselves doing that, we're going to have some problems because there's going to come a point in this world, I believe, in the near future to where you won't have to sell everything you have. Everything you have will be gone. It'll be ate up. It'll be gone. Everything will be moved out because... There's something coming in this world. Like, we're not going to have the luxuries we always have, uh, especially if you don't plan on taking the mark of the beast, right? I mean, you're going you're gonna to have to deal with things differently. And for some people, that's going to be so hard, so hard that they're willing to give in to the beast. They're going to be willing to give in to the beast because they can't give away everything that they own. They can't. They wouldn't even think about it. They couldn't even imagine it. Right. Not living without living without the whatever, you know, the Lamborghini or living without the the. 10,000, 12,000, 20,000 foot house. You know, they can't imagine that idea. And a lot of people have sold their souls for money. A lot of people have done that. And a lot of people have uh, traded their spiritual wealth and their health for their financial wealth. They didn't seek the kingdom first. And therefore, this financial wealth is actually destroying them and eating them alive. Would you like to say anything to that, David? Or Well, that reminds me of Revelation twelve eleven says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death, which tells us that the low end of acceptable faith is be, being willing to give up all of your material possessions or even your life to follow Christ. Yes. And that, and that could be the case for any of us, right? And, yeah. and, and what an honor to do so at the yeah. same time. What an, what an honor to live for him now while you're alive, you know? Do the, yeah. do the things that he has us to do. This, this parable, David, if you got your, I forgot to put the whole thing on the slide here. If you could read this parable of the talents here. This is in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. And the reason I want to read this is because this next segment we're going to, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be building the kingdom? What does it mean to be moving forward in the power of, of God, that's something that we have the ability to do. It says that we have the ability to come to the throne. All right, we can, we have ability to boldly approach the throne. We have the ability to do these things. So, anyways, David, if you can read that, if you got it up, please do. It's Matthew twenty five fourteen through thirty. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods, and unto one he gave five talents, and to another two and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. 
But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hadst not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid my talent in the earth, and there thou hast that is mine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at thy coming I should have received my own with ursary. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A serious verse, and it's a parable. And this parable, when you think about what this implies, and you think about what this means, and, and this, this starts out in verse 14 by saying that for the kingdom of heaven is as this. is talking about the kingdom of heaven here. This Matthew 25, he's discussing the kingdom of heaven. It's going to be like this. It's going to come. It's going to come, and he's going to come out of the blue, expecting his talents, expecting multiplications of his talents. It says he gives according to ability. Now there's there's people out there right now, David, with the abilities that are unimaginable compared to myself, compared to you, compared to any. They've got abilities that you wouldn't believe. They can sing like an angel. They can they can uh, make money like at it like it's out of thin air they can just pop things out you know they can do all of these things and god's given them those things make no mistake all of you in hollywood all of you in in the banking world all of you god gave you those things because you had the ability did you build the kingdom of heaven with that kingdom of god or did you build the kingdom of this worth with that because this is what it's talking about these people are going to build the kingdom of earth they are going to not Bring, take these talents and multiply them for the kingdom of heaven. They're not going to do it. And we're going to be the ones that do that. We're going to be the ones that take the things that we've been given to us and move forward in that. David, you have something you want to say? Well, you know, this is just a obvious rebuke to people that say that faithfulness and obedience doesn't matter. Yeah. It matters everything. It matters so much. It matters it, it, because really... And we'll talk about here. I got a verse that actually explains that a little bit here in a minute. So we're going to talk about how should we should we walk? How should we walk as believers? And some of you, this is a confirmation for you because you've been wondering, like, what am I going to do? You know, I got to do something. I got to do something, anything. And this is how this is what the scripture says in Second Timothy. Uh, first, we're going to test your spirit and see what spirit you're walking by, because this is an important aspect of how you're going to know if you are truly 
uh, in the arm of God, right? This is this is important. Second Timothy one seven it says, "For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind." First John four eighteen, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that hath fear is not made perfect in love. Now fear is has to do with judgment. Uh, the fear that I have in my life always has to do with judgment. It never has to do with God. Uh, it never has, or never has to do with uh, the circumstances of this world. It always has to do with God. You know, because the circumstances of this world can be manipulated and changed. God can fix anything. He can do whatever. You know, I don't have to worry about what He's capable of. I know what He's capable of. But the scary part about it is, I know what I'm capable of. That's the fear that we should have. The fear of of God. The fear of God is, is, is the beginning of all knowledge. We have to have that. But this other fear that of man, this fear of the coming tidings, this fear of this thing that they're going to do, all of these fears, these fears of these evil men, this is not the fear of God. The fear of God would say, my God, he can smash those guys' heads in right now. Like, I mean, there's no, I don't have to worry about those people because God is going to handle that situation for me. As long as I'm fearing him, that's the situation he's handling for me. And we have to think that way. We have to walk in that because fear have called men, caused men to take bribes. Fear have caused men to stumble. Fear have caused men to not be able to be brave and stand before the enemy like they should have all of these years. You know, the, the whole army of God, the whole army of Israel was standing before a giant that was mocking them for days until a, a, a man named David came along, a boy named David that had a sling that was a shepherd and his fear was gone. He had no fear because he knew that his God was more powerful than this giant that stood before him. He was the only one out of the whole camp of Israel, out of all of the armies of Israel, the only one that had this faith that said, I can stand before that giant because I know my God is greater than this giant. Everybody else had this fear. Where was that fear? Why was that fear there? But that's fear. That's the kind of fear that we see in God today. The fear that we see seen in the church during the lockdown, that they shut everything down. They, they were scared of their own shadow. Uh, they were willing to give everything up just just because of whatever, because of fear. This fear that gripped their heart and mind. The Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Say that to yourself out loud. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Whoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. What what is what is so hard to understand about that? It's hard for us as humans, right? It's hard for us to completely just put our trust in God because we're so used to trying to manipulate the situations that we're in. It's almost like witchcraft. We're like, well, if we do this, we can manipulate this. If we do this, we can do this. And, and the Bible does say manipulation is, is witchcraft. And this is what we try to do rather than putting our trust in, in God. How many times... Uh, and this is this is something that I uh, that I heard when I was younger that heard me and it, and it struck me in the head. And I hope it strikes somebody here. You know, how many times have, have you been put in a situation in your life where you should be dead? You should be dead right now. But God brought you through it. You should be. This should have happened to you. But God brought you through it. He brought there because he was there with you this whole time. And whether you had the trust in him or not, he brought you through that thing as it was. Now, imagine having that trust and that fearlessness that God is going to be with you. You know, how much how much more uh, are you, you know, as a father, I guess, you know, I'm thinking about my children, you know, my children, when they they trust me to take care of them, they trust me to not let anything hurt them. And when they're around me, they're carefree, they're fun, they enjoy their life because they know daddy's right there. Daddy's not going to let anything happen and I don't have to worry about it. 
you know, the childlike faith that it talks about, that the scripture talks about having childlike faith. That's something that the world tries to strip from us the moment that we're injected into this world. They try to stick, just take it away from us by telling us there's a fake fat ball or uh, white headed man that brings you gifts every day that's still in your faith telling you that there's some kind of godlike deity bringing this and you find out it's a lie with the easter bunny they're still in your faith with all these stupid shows with all these different things from the moment you're born they try to strip everything spiritual from your life from the things that they teach you in school about evolution about the atheism the big bang they teach you these things to destroy and strip the faith from your head this childlike faith it can only take a childlike faith only a child can be 100 percent trusting like this only a child's mind can do this, and we have to get into that mindset when we're with him. And it's hard to do because we are physical beings. We see that we're physical, but we know that there's something warring in the spirit. There's something different going on in the spirit that we can't even sometimes see or fathom, but it's going on there, and we cannot have fear. David, did you have anything you want to add before I move on to this next slide? Mm -hmm. And you know, if we think about it, every act of disobedience is because we fear man more than we trust God. Everyone. And I know when you said that, I had some concrete instances come to my mind when the Lord spared me when I could very well and should have been dead. And I bet that many of you had that same thought. And the same Lord that saved you then, he can save you in the future if you just trust and obey him. So it's so true, man. Such a, it's a, such a lightning thing, too. To be able to do that not everybody can have faith not everybody mm -hmm. can can see these things it's this is not for everybody when i said earlier this message is only for the few that hear it and it's not only even the few that hear the few that have their mind open to hear these things this is for this is for those people not everybody's going to understand what we're saying tonight in fact he some people are going to ears let him hear amen and um this is this is the things that when i when i read these scriptures that i'm getting ready to read here this is these are the things that you make me wonder what has happened in the in the body of, of believers over the years because we have so many more churches david than we've ever had before so many more people proclaiming to be prophets proclaiming to know this proclaiming to have this word and and make this declaration but yet we see more and more um an overthrow of darkness over these institutions that we've grown up to believe are the institutions of God uh, and just you know growing up we found out that that wasn't the case we found out that the devil is actually in these institutions he he transforms himself to enter these institutions that are made by man uh, to deceive us and in twisting little things subtle things in order to grip our minds and that's why this big that beginning warning that I gave you need to get in the word yourself don't trust these people don't trust anybody to give you the word get the word read it suck it down like a like you're dying of thirst and take every bit of it in and understand it before it's too late because i'm telling you it will be too late at some point you you can listen to everybody out there and what they think about it but unless you let the holy spirit guide you through that word you will never truly see what it says i mean every time i read it there's nothing like it you read it every time something bring comes forth something springs forth from it that just gives you life just like you know this message i mean i wasn't expecting to do a message about this but when you read the word and you open it up and it just gives life you have to do it and uh, i just love it so in matthew sixteen nineteen, it says and i will give unto thee the king keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven it says in proverbs eighteen twenty one, death and life are in the power of tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. It's time that we start we start 
speaking like children of God. The Bible says that if somebody can control their tongue, they'd be perfect. If we can control the things we say, we speak life on our children. We speak, you know, our children are going to be grow up and they're going to learn. They're going to learn things that other people aren't going to learn. They're going to be children of God. They're going to move forward with power under his conviction. They're going to be able to stand before the beast without fear. That's the kind of life we speak on our children, not, oh, these poor kids, you know, this and that. We speak life into our families. We speak life into your spouse. You know, how? what do you expect out of your spouse when you can speak nothing but death upon him? Oh, you're this. You're such, you're such a your slob you're such this you're speaking death over and over again on your spouse on your other half you're speaking against yourself by the way when you speak speak life you know you're such a beautiful person thank you so much for everything you do you are just amazing you're such a blessing speak that to your children see where they go rather than saying oh what the heck's wrong with you what is wrong with you speak life you're you're so good when you do this you're so good when you do that and correct bring them up correctly and and punish them when they do wrong and and bless them when they do something good. Speak life to your friends. Speak life to the people around you. Speak life to your situation that you're in right now and move forward with authority and don't be scared. If we can do that, well, there's a time that we will have, there, there's a time that we will have the ability to do this and then there will be a time that we will not. While we have that ability, take those talents and move forward with those talents like you've never moved forward with those talents before. David, did you have anything to add? Well, speaking the word of God into people's lives like you are tonight will have an effect in every heart that will receive the word. The Bible says his word will not return void. And the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the word of God, speaking the word of God into people's lives. That's why I always want to use a bunch of scripture because it's good and I'm not. And the word of God will change a person's life. So true. Um, this this is kind of brings home the the point about what we do, right? What we do does matter. What we feed ourselves does matter. Um, it, it's just it really matters to to a point to where it is the only thing that matters because everything that we do is a seed that we're casting. Every every thought we think, everything we say, every action we take is a seed casting, and it's all being recorded. It's all being recorded. Every day, one day, he's going to bring it all, bring it all forward, and he's going to see everything that was done in the dark. Everything we do is a choice. It's a vote of a, who, what kind of person you're going to be, about who, what you're going to do for eternity. Everything is a vote. Uh, in James chapter two, verse eighteen through twenty, it says, "Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works." Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Now this is not something you will hear at a most church services because this is contrary to the message that they preach that it doesn't matter what you do. But in James right here, it makes a perfect um, statement here that says without without faith your works are dead, or without without works your faith is dead and this is so true without works your faith is dead what, what do you have faith in you know if you have faith that that you're going to accomplish something what do you do you move forward with it if you don't have faith you don't move forward if you believe truly that there is salvation and a kingdom that you can grasp a kingdom that you can grasp that you can't see it but it's there and you can grasp it and you don't move forward like that, then you don't really believe. That's, I mean, it's pretty much, that's the way I see it, David. What do you think? Absolutely. Revelation 2.26 says, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Mm. And that's not talking about 
some millennial prophecy. That's talking about nations right now that are coming against the people of God. And I think we're going to see very soon some nations coming against us. And that's a very important promise. That obedience is the most important lesson you can have and learn. Trust and obey. There's no other way, as the little song says. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust yeah. and obey. That's the only thing we have. That's the only, I mean, yeah. the only hope. You can't come against the armies of China. You can't go against the armies of Russia. You can't go against the armies of the, of the gang down the street. We can't come against those without the power of God. We can't come against those without his trust. There's no doubt about yeah. that. But Daniel prospered in the court of Babylon. Yeah. People that obey, man, you know, yeah. people that obey get moved into situations where they never thought they'd be. And then right now, you don't know what the situations are that you'll enjoy. You have no idea until you're doing the will of God. I never, like I said before, man, I never thought I would enjoy doing something like this. Who, who would have even thought that was even possible, you know, to, to really, you know, in, in all reality, your whole way of thinking is changed because you actually find out who you are. When you don't know who you are, all kinds of different things sound really enjoyable because you don't even know who you are really at that point. Only God can really show you who you are. And um, one of the scriptures here that I think is foundational for anybody is in Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14. It says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And we can count on that. In Revelation, it yeah. talks about him coming forward with the book. And every yeah. person, great and small, is going to stand before him one day. And this is something that we can look forward to happening. Uh, in Matthew chapter 25, in verse 31 through 46, it says, that you know, Jesus himself says, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. I'm going to have the goats on one side and the sheep on the other. And the goats are going to say, you know, did we not do all these things in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do all of these magnificent works that some things that are just absolutely amazing? And he's going to say, depart from me, you who work lawlessness. I never knew you. He's going to say that those people have done all these things. They've, they've been in the charismatic train, casting demons out of people. They've been in the in the sacred name movement, saying Lord, Lord, saying His name, saying Yahweh, Yahweh, or Yahuwah, Yahuwah, Yahovah, Yahovah. However they want to say it, they've been saying the name. And He's going to say, "Depart from me, I never knew you." But He's He's going to tell people that you went and visited me while I was in jail. You went and you visited me while I was sick. You fed me when I was on, when I was hungry. You clothed me when I was naked. And they're going to say, when did we do all these things? We don't remember. He's, and he, you know what he says to him? He said, when you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. The people that are out there doing things that are actually caring about people. And that's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, people are always stuck on, on these little intricate things. Are your seat seats long enough? Or your, are you doing this just right? Are you, you know, what are you, what are you doing here? What are you doing there? But the weightier matters of the law, which are justice and, and charity, all these different things that can really just help uh, invest in a person's life are being forsaken. People don't care about those things because that is not the heart of why they're doing what they're doing. You can tell the heart. David, you, uh, you did a show about the wheat and the tares. And you can tell the heart of a person based on how they treat the people around them, how, what they're doing out there in the community. Uh, not by their lingo, because lingo you can never. You can have somebody with the best lingo in the world. They can talk the best talk. They can give the best message. They can preach to thousands of people, and thousands of people will fall on their face. But their fruit is different. 
than what they're saying. Lingo doesn't matter. You know, the lingo is not what matters, at least especially in your own life. We're, you know, we need to worry about the splinters in our own life. The lingo is not what matters in your life. It's about how you are towards people. The scripture says, another, there's another scripture that I always uh, love to, to read because it just really impacts the statement. But, um, and of course now, um, basically show me your works and I'll show you my faith. I can't exactly, it is in James as yeah, well. Yeah, James but, chapter two, yeah. And and so that, when when you look at that and think about that, the talk means nothing. There's a lot of people that can talk a good game, but it doesn't matter when it comes down to you, you need to make sure you are the ones that are on the right game. You're the ones that are doing the, the will of the father, doing what he asks us to do. Uh, the scripture also talks about the fast. I have to believe it's in Isaiah, the fast he has chosen yeah. uh, to help the widow and to feed, feed the orphan and do all these different things that are uh, an important part of our life. And, and man, I, you know, I look at the world the way it is, David, and I see, you know, these multi-billionaires, some almost trillionaires type people. And you look at, you know, my, my son and my, both my sons, they're both, you know, when they hear about these things, they, they can't believe it's happening. And you tell, I tell them, you know, there's kids starving to death. They, they're born and they don't even have water to drink. They don't have anything. Uh, they don't have aquifers. They don't have nothing. They have to eat, drink out of sewage, basically. And most of them die before they reach the age of one. You know, like they're lucky if they make it through birth. They're lucky if their mom makes it. They're diseased. And, you know, he's like, well, why don't the people that have a lot of money help them? Or why don't we help them? And, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, you're right. Why don't we help them? Why aren't we helping them? Why aren't the people that are stacking billions of dollars in their barns just building bigger barns and building bigger barns, billion, literally billions of dollars? Uh, you know what? They could easily build a walkway for for these people, but we've forsaken what has been foundational. Uh, there's other people in society suffering um, while we stand back and watch it happen because a lot of times we don't even know it's happening. We don't even care that it's happening because we're so obsessed with our own world. But there's children of God all over the world right now that are suffering, um, and we have an abundance, right? We have an abundance, and, and we are going to be held accountable for what we do. Uh, we're going to be held accountable for how we impact other people's lives. Um, and, you know, where are you spending money in the in the Hollywood? Are you sowing money into Hollywood? Are you sowing money into this or that instead of sowing money into the things that actually feed you spiritually? Are you sowing money into um, all of these worldly things? Are you sowing money into things that will build that will build the kingdom? Are you sowing into things that are going to produce fruit? You know, we have to think about these things as we move forward in life. And this is what this broadcast is all about. How are we going to move forward in life? It's not about what we did because we can't control that anymore. It's about what we do from here forward that matters because we cannot, we can't change the things that we've done. God can forgive us. He will forgive us. It says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us for all our righteousness. We can't think about that anymore. We have to move forward with that ability and realize that you have to take responsibility for yourself. And this is a scripture we looked up. It's in Matthew 25 as well that we were talking about earlier. Or I'm um, no, it wasn't. What was that scripture we looked up about uh, a man from each city in a Jeremiah 3, uh, 15 and 16, okay. 14, 15, 16, I believe. Okay. So um, verse 14, it says, Turn, O backsliding children, <laughs> saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with the knowledge and understanding. Not everybody, this message isn't for everybody. In fact, some of us are going to have to leave family behind. There's going to be family that aren't going to get this. Uh, there's a verse that I wanted to bring up if we had time, which we have a little bit. 
um, about the virgins, right? The ten virgins, the foolish virgins, and the wise virgins. Those, that's a reality right there. There's going to be people that aren't ready for what's going to happen. It's going to come instantly. The Bible talks about it. It's going to be instant. There's going to be things that are instant, even if it's not just an end-time event. Instant. Instant life, instant death. Sudden death can come upon any man or woman out there. And we need to be ready for this moment in this particular time. Uh, we need to walk with authority that God's given us until the time comes when we are going to be uh, sealed and hidden from God to the time comes, whatever whatever the case may be for you. Well, you know, we don't know what God has for us. Some of us are probably be uh, forced to go around giving the message out to people at risk of death all our lives. You know what I mean? I could see God doing that to some of us, just sending us out to, to constantly be doing whatever. And that's fine too. Whatever God has for you in your life, you don't know yet, but I guarantee you're going to be perfectly suited for that. As long as you go towards his will and do what he has you to do. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up. 